I'm so excited to be closing out this series today, The Cups of Promise, on a Sunday that we come off of our summer break from growth track. You see, as our kids are heading back to school, many of them will be heading to new schools, having new experiences. But you know, with that, it's an opportunity for them to examine their faith, to realign their life where they need to, to make necessary changes. They don't have to be, they don't have to be the same that they were. Amen? That's the same for us, too. It's a new opportunity to walk out our Christian walk, our life of Christ, in a new and a powerful way. It's also a perfect time for us as a church, as we head back into the fall here, to examine the way that we do things and to look at our purpose and our vision, perhaps do some realigning of our own as a church. Now, as individuals, Growth Track provides you with a great opportunity to personally realign and to begin walking in these four cups that we've been talking about the last few weeks. This series, for me, just so you know, has served as a reminder, as a guide as to why we do the things that we do. And it's been a reminder to me that we don't have to necessarily be everything to everybody. That's not what God called us to be. This series has reminded me of what is important. And it's reminded me that we need to be specific and focused on what we do as a church. And when we do those things, we need to do them absolutely to the best of our ability. Now, as a church, we're only three and a half years old. So that being said, we don't have decades or centuries of tradition as a church that we have to fight. And what I mean by that is a lot of churches continue to do certain ministries, certain activities year after year, activities and ministries that maybe should have died years ago. Maybe they did die years ago, but they've been kept on life support for years and in doing so have absolutely drained the life out of the workers who have tried to continue to keep them alive. We've even experienced that in our, in our own district office, that we've, we've done certain events year after year, and we just continue to do them because we've always done them. And we have to rethink how we do those things. Now, even though we are a young church and we may not have decades of history and tradition, it does not mean that we're not susceptible to falling prey to the chase. In other words, looking for that, that next great thing to come down the line, to follow after that, that next great church growth model. And listen, that's not what we want to be about. This may sound strange, and you may never hear another preacher or pastor say this, but we shouldn't try and grow this church. And let me just explain that for just a moment, because this is what we need to try to do. We need to try to grow ourselves in Christ. We need to prepare ourselves and the church for growth. We don't, so many times, churches, we get caught up in, in seeing this new growth model or chasing after this certain thing or that because it's working here or it's working there. And listen, it's not our job to grow the church. God never called us to grow the church. He called us to equip the saints. He called us to build up the body. He called us to do the work of the church 
And it's his job to grow the church. The word says that he adds to the church. All we must do is what he's called us to do, and that is to grow fully in all that Christ has called each of us to be. Last fall, I introduced you to this growth track and began asking each of you to go through it. This was the start for us in really becoming strategic and choosing what we do here as a church as far as ministries and activities go. In our, introdu- in our introduction of Growth Track last year, we talked about it being an on-ramp into ministry here at Connection Point. And this much is still true. We stressed the need for everyone to go through Growth Track and to find their place in ministry. The fact is, though, we didn't really do a, a real good job of plugging people into ministry when they, when they came out. Part of that is... The growth track model was new to us, and we were all going through it together. So we didn't have people already serving in a lot of ministries and things that that we wanted to maybe to do here as far as areas of opportunities for people to serve. Well, we are still asking people to serve. We still asked people and encouraged them to get plugged in. And many of you did. Many of you said, you know what, I'll jump right in. And, man, we appreciate you for doing that. You have brought so much to the table. Some of you are serving here on Sunday morning, some on Wednesday nights in in Celebrate Recovery. Some participated in our first round of uh, small groups when we launched them in the spring. And I believe many more people will will be involved in those when we launch the fall of small groups, our connect groups in September. Whether you've been through Growth Track or not, or if you don't even have a clue as to what I'm talking about because this is your first Sunday here, well, I'll explain a little bit about that today. And hopefully, as we um, tie everything together today from this series, you'll see why it is exactly why we do Growth Track and be encouraged to jump in and take part in that. Uh, Growth Track, just so you know real quick, I guess I should let you know if this is your first time, it's a four-week class that we have right after, after church on Sundays. And we provide lunch. It's about an hour long, and it kind of goes from Church 101 to Dream Team 401. Each week is a different topic. The first week, we talk to you about church as far as who we are as a church. The second week is about the essentials of a believer, getting you... Um, to really kind of get grounded in the Word of God. And the third week is all about you. It's about discovering what God called you to be and called you to do. And the fourth week is about trying to get you plugged in to a place of ministry. The name of our church here is Connection Point. Our tagline, our mission, our statement, our motto, whatever you want to call it, is this. Equipping people for life's journey. With our name, with that tagline, and what you've learned over the last few weeks during this series, you should be able to walk out these doors and let anybody you know know exactly what we're about, what we've talked about over the last few weeks. You should be able to take that information and say, Connection Point, our purpose is about connecting people to Christ and connecting people to other believers. You should be able to tell people that we want to be about seeing people experience real life change. Not superficial Sunday morning change, real life change. And we do this by equipping people for this journey that we call life through these four cups. I'm going to come back to exactly how we do that here in just a little bit, but I want to give you 
just the scriptural basis from where we get this from and kind of what served as our what served as really our um, basis for this for this series that we're in and you can find that in Exodus chapter 6 I'm not going to go back and go through four weeks of, of messages here but I just want to want to share with you what um, what the basis for these four weeks has been in Exodus 6 beginning in chapter 2 as we've covered these last few weeks you'll see that these four cups are promises that God give the people of Israel 3,500 years ago. It's in this passage that God gives what is called by the Jewish people the four I will statements. They are promises that God gave to the Israelite people 3,500 years ago that are repeated every year at Passover. Each year at Passover time they take these cups and when this promise is read aloud they, they drink from the cup. You know, it's great that God promised the Israelite people all of these things 3,500 years ago when they were in the land of Egypt as He promised to bring them out of bondage. But the fact is, those promises are valid for you today. Those promises are still good today. Those promises are repeated over and over again throughout Scripture. They may be said slightly different, but they are still the same promises. You can find it right there on the board. I'm going to read it here if you've got your Bible. Um, Exodus 6, beginning in chapter, or chapter 6, verse number 2. It says this, God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God. Now we could actually stop right there, and there's a lesson right there where it says, um, it says Jacob. Do you remember that God changed Abram's name to Abraham? but then he changed Jacob's name to Israel. So why doesn't it say, as I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Israel? Well, he's saying, I'm the God even when you mess up. See, because Jacob was a little messed up. He did some things that were wrong. But God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's saying, even when you screw up, I am still, I am still God. But by, uh, and to, to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Right here is the first promise, promise of salvation. I will free you from being slaves to them, the promise of deliverance. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, the promise of redemption. And with mighty acts of judgment, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. The promise of fulfillment the promise of a life of praise. Listen, every one of us here this morning are on a journey. Whether you are here in church hearing some of these things for the very first time in your life, or whether you grew up in a church cutting your teeth on the back of a pew, you need to understand we're all on a journey going from where we are right now, wherever that may be in your life, to a daily closer walk to Christ. Each day we're trying to take one step closer to Him. 
Each one of us are on this journey. And we need to just realize that and begin to walk in this journey. Remember, it's not going to happen overnight. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. In other words, it's a continual transformation from glory to glory. I want to go back to what I said earlier in regards to our mission as a church. As a church, it is our job to help you in this journey. What we need to do here as a church, as a pastor, is help to equip you. Ephesians tells us this in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse number 11. I really got to get some glasses, y'all. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content with the circumstances. And this is not even the passage that I'm looking for. How about that? The passage I'm looking for says that God has given pastors, teachers, evangelists. He's given the fivefold ministry. I really do need glasses. That's what I said, but I didn't read that. Oh, because I'm in Philippians. <laughs> I said Ephesians 4.11. I'm like, this does not even sound right. We ain't perfect here, y'all. We don't pretend to be. All right, I got it here. This is big print too, by the way, just so y'all know. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Look, that's, that's our job as pastors and teachers is to equip. That's what we have to be about as a church. We have to do that for one another too. If God has given you a gift of teaching, then you need to be serving in that area, teaching. Because the body needs you. So we, we try to help each and every person here become a fully devoted follower of Christ, encouraging you to drink from each one of these cups. And the way we do that is four primary ways that I want to talk to you about. There in your notes, you'll see the, the four promises of God. We've, we've listed those, we've left those blank every week and asked you to fill them in. And you fill them in. Salvation, deliverance, redemption, fulfillment. Well, this week, they're filled in with a blank out next to them, and that's because I want to share with you how we do that here as a church. And the way we do that is, number one, there next to salvation. Our primary way as a church of helping you walk in that cup of salvation is this. It's through weekend service. It's through Sunday morning. It's why we're here right now. That is our primary way as a church of helping you to walk in that cup of salvation Listen, can people get saved outside of church? Absolutely. I'm not saying that they can't. Can you lead somebody in a prayer? Can you share Jesus with somebody? Absolutely, and I encourage you to do that. Can you pray with them in your home, in a coffee shop, in your workplace? You can pray with them anywhere for that matter. But listen, the fact is most people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Most people make that salvation that salvation time typically happens in a church. 
It typically happens through the preaching of the gospel, through a, through, a, through a message. God uses that, his word, to speak to people, and they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In fact, there's rarely been a Sunday since we've been here that either people haven't, either people haven't given their life to Christ for the first time or made a recommitment. Almost every Sunday since we've been here, somebody has either recommitted their life to Christ or come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ for the first time. We've really done a great job of seeing people drink from that first cup. But listen, we have got to be strategic about getting them to cups two, three, and four. We have got to see that people don't just stop at that first cup and simply drink from the cup of salvation. Man, that's the best cup there is. Don't get me wrong. But God has so much more for you. He doesn't want you to just stop right there. He wants you to fully embrace all three of the cups. He wants you to take that next cup, the promise of deliverance. And the way we help people with this is through life experience groups. I probably should have gave you a larger line there in your notes for this one rather than just the little one because... These life experience groups happen in a couple of ways. One way is on Wednesday nights through Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is an incredible, great step for many of you to, to embrace and to walk in. But you need to hear me on this. Even our Wednesday night Celebrate Recovery is still a large group setting just like this. And that's why you are encouraged to engage into smaller groups. Listen to me. It's in smaller groups through relationships that you begin to see real life change happening. It's in developing relationships with other Christians, other Christ followers, that you begin to see that real life change. What do we call these small groups? We call them connect groups because that's what we're about, right? Connecting people to Christ, connecting people to each other whether it's a CR step study, a Friday night game night at my house, a Monday night football group, a Thursday morning coffee with friends, it doesn't matter. It's in those small group intimate settings that real life change happens. It's in those places that you begin to take one step closer to God. It's in those places that you begin not just developing relationships with other Christians, but you really will find your relationship with Christ growing deeper and deeper. The third promise, the third cup, is the cup of redemption. The way we do that here is through Growth Track. Growth Track is about setting you on a path to find out what God's plan is for your life. What is it that God called you to do? It's about finding out who you are, how you're wired, and then providing you with an opportunity to begin walking in that gifting. The fourth cup is the cup of fulfillment or the cup of praise. The Jewish people call this cup Hallel. It's where we get the word hallelujah from. It's a, it means celebration. That's what the fourth cup is, your life being a life of celebration. It's a life of fulfillment. And the way we do that here is actually through the dream team. So what's that? What's the dream team? The dream team is the people you saw up here on Sunday morning leading you in worship. The dream team is the people right now 
working with your children in the gym. The dream team is the people right now serving in the nursery. The dream team are the people who, as you walked through the door this morning, greeted you and welcomed you and smiled and said, here's a bulletin. The dream team are the people who prepared the coffee this morning so that there would be fresh coffee when you came through the door. The dream team are the people who have prepared the food for you for growth track so that when we get done in here at 12 o'clock, we can go over there and eat without having to wait. The dream team are the people who who come in here on Wednesday night and set up the Celebrate Recovery table with all of the books and things. The dream team are the people who organize the testimonies for people to come in and share on Wednesday night for Celebrate Recovery. The dream team are the people who are here serving in the video back here in the back where if you, if you miss a Sunday, there's been a videotape of the message and you can find it online. The dream team are the people who put the, the words on the screen so that when you don't know a song, you're able to participate in worship and sing along. Are you starting to get the idea the dream team are the people who are serving God? They're walking out their calling and their giftings. And it is my desire for each and every one of us to be a part of the dream team here at Connection Point. You see... It's when you're, when you're serving God with other believers that you find true fulfillment. And that's what we're talking about today, the cup of praise, the cup of fulfillment. It's what it's all about. This cup, this cup of praise, this cup of fulfillment should be the one that we desire to walk in. Living a life of praise unto God. Let me be clear real quick. This cup, this life of fulfillment, serving, it's not about working your way into heaven. That's not what it's about. That's why this cup, the cup of salvation, was a cup all by itself. God didn't want there to be any room for confusion on this. He didn't want you to think you could work your way into heaven. There's a cup of salvation that sits by itself, and that's because He wants you to understand that He did the work for your salvation on the cross. It was His blood that was shed for you that cleansed you. It was His power that brought Him up out of the grave. All you have to do is this. Believe in your heart. Repent of your sin. And confess Him as Lord and Savior. Church, that one fact alone should be enough for us to desire to praise God. That one thing alone should be enough for us to want to live a life of praise. I mean, do you guys understand? Pastor Chris said it this morning. He saved us from hell. Has anybody got something to be happy about? Has anybody got something to give glory and praise about? He saved us from hell. He reached down with all His mercy, all His goodness, and said, your sins require a payment, and I'm going to pay it for you. He said, I will step down out of heaven, and I will pay the price. That is something to be given praise for. Do you understand how incredible it is that the God of the universe says, I love you so much that I give myself up for you. Nobody could take his life from him. He said, I give it up for you. But church, it doesn't even end there. That's just the first cup. 
He has so much more for you. He wants to bring deliverance to you. He wants to see the spirit of slavery gone from your life. He wants to see that, that spirit of oppression, the e Egypt that is within you, gone. Your past cleansed. No more. Walking free from that. God wants you to understand you can have complete freedom from your past. And listen, if it stopped right there, that would be more than enough for me to praise Him the rest of my days. Every day of my life. But he doesn't stop there either. He says, I want to set you back on the path that I had planned for your life. He says, I want to redeem you. I want to give you a plan and a purpose. And I want you to walk in it. Church, Creator God, the one who hung the stars in the sky, says, I have a plan for you. This ain't me saying I've got a plan for you. This isn't your teacher saying they've got a plan for you. This ain't your boss saying they've got a plan for you. This is Creator God, the one who put the stars in the sky that said, I have a plan for you and it doesn't matter what your past is. I'm redeeming you from that. I have a plan and a purpose for you and I'm going to put you back on the right path for my intended purpose. How can we not desire to want to live a life of praise? Church, in the passage we read there in Exodus, it said, I will take you to be my people. But listen, it doesn't end right there. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. Do you understand what he's saying here? It's all about relationship. Christianity is the only, the only religion that works that way. Every other religion has you working your way. You have to work your way. He said, no, no, no. This is all about relationship. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. He said, you are mine, and I am yours. That's why the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. It's all, every bit of it, about relationship. See, some of you have a messed up idea of who God is. You think he's something that's unapproachable. You think he sits there up on his throne just waiting for you to screw up so he can knock you back down. That is not the attitude of a father. He's up there rooting you on. He's up there saying, I'm here to, for you. Why don't you just call upon my name? I want to help you. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. I'm not sure y'all are getting this. I'm mean, really... He said, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. He is big G God, not little G God. We have lots of those in our lives that we've we put in our own lives. You see, I'm talking about the one and only big G God. I'm talking about the one who put the planets in motion. I'm talking the one who made you, who created you. Amen. He's saying, you are mine and I am yours. Right. Can you come on? Amen. I mean, people... He is worthy of a life of praise. Amen. Why do we live a Sunday morning praise then? Why do we live simply Sunday morning worship? Our life must be about praising Him. Our life must be about serving Him. You need to understand He 
deserves nothing less. David wasn't perfect by any means. He had his faults, but understand this. God said, here is a man after my own heart. The Word tells us that David danced in the street. He danced with abandonment, so much so that he danced himself right out of his clothes. That's what the Word says. Sometimes I think we're afraid to praise the Lord because we're afraid of what other people may say on, about us. Yes. How, can, how can you praise Him? How can you praise Him? Have you looked at your life? It's messed up. How can you praise Him? Have you looked at your life? What have you done in your past? How can you praise Him? Are you kidding me? That's why I can praise Him. Because He said, even though you screwed up, even though you're messed up, I love you so much, I'm going to save you, and I can praise Him, not because of who I am, but because of who He is. It has nothing to do with how good or how bad I am, but everything to do with who He is. That's why I praise Him. How can I not live a life fully devoted to Him. That's why Paul could say in Romans 12, he said this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, the mercies of God to present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He's saying, live a life of praise. Everything you do, so many times we get bent out of shape because someone says something to us the wrong way or someone, someone says, why did you do that? Or why didn't you do this? And, and we get twisted in sideways. Sacrifice of praise. It's easy to praise God when everything is going well. It's easy to praise God when you're on top of the mountain. What about in those valley times? What about when things aren't going all right? What about when you had a, a fight with your wife in the morning or your, your kids or whatever the case may be? What happens then? Sacrifice of praise. See, it's not really even praise. I mean, I, it's praise when things are going right, but it's just like, man, thank you, God. I love this. Keep it coming. Because that's really a lot of times what it is, isn't it? Continue the blessings, God. I love this. What about when things aren't going well? Are we going to praise Him then? Listen, we must live a life of praise because that's how God created us. Fact, guess what? We live a life of worship. We live a life of praise. The question becomes, what do you worship? What do you praise? See, because God created us to be worshipers. God created us to give praise. The question is, do we worship Him or do we worship the things in our lives that we have made God? Do we worship man-made ideas? Do we worship man-made things? Do we worship man? Do we worship our spouse? Do we worship our kids? Do we worship our job? Do we worship our bank account? Do we worship our 401k? Do we worship our car? Do we worship the little gods in our lives that we have created, or do we worship Him? You see, because we are worshiping all the time. That's how God made us. The question becomes, are you going to worship those things? Are you going to worship the one true God, the one who is worthy of our praise? the one who created you for worship. You're only going to find real fulfillment if you begin walking out God's desire and His plan for your life. Many times people say, I'm too far gone. They'll say, I, I can't be used of God. My life is too messed up. 
I've done too much wrong. You need to understand that God said, I got promises for you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to deliver you from that past completely. Wipe it clean to where it's out of you. Then I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to put you back on that path that I created for you. And when you begin to walk that out, when you begin to live out that, that life that God has created for you, you can't help but walk in a life of praise. Your life has purpose. Listen, those things in your life that the enemy meant to use to, to steal from you, to kill you, to destroy you, those things that He meant to bring utter destruction to your life, listen to me, church. God will use those very things for His good and for His glory. He will use the things that the enemy wanted to use to destroy you and your life for His redemptive purpose. But here's what you got to do. you got to stop living an unlived life. John 10.10 says it this way, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Many times people allow this to happen. They'll fill in the blanks if you're taking notes. We allow it. We allow our past to cripple us. Psalms 38, 4, it's in your notes, says this, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Isn't that how, what we allow our past to do many times? And it says, I am bowed down and brought low. We allow the things in our lives, those, those, those things in our past to just keep us down. Church, you've got to stop allowing your past to keep you, keeping you from being all that God has called you to be. You've got to stop it. This weekend, we, we were at that men's retreat, and Michael Jr., a comedian, some of you are familiar with him, absolutely hilarious guy. So funny. You know what, though? I can't tell you one joke that he said. I can tell you I laughed, and I laughed, and I laughed. I laughed Friday night, and I laughed again Saturday when he came back out. Absolutely hilarious. But I'll tell you what I remember. He shared a story. It wasn't a funny story. He talked about how as a kid, he had trouble learning to read. He said words just a lot of times look messed up to him. I don't know if he had dyslexia or what. I just know that he said he struggled with reading. He said, so, so he adapted. He began to learn to read. You know, when he struggled with a word, he would look at the word in front of it. Then he would look at the word behind it. Then he would listen to how people reacted to it. And he would begin to understand what that word meant. And he said he got very quick at this. By the time he was in high school, people didn't even know he struggled with reading. But he was able to, to use this thing that Satan meant for evil, for harm. And what it allowed him to do was to be able to read people, to be able to find out how they would react to things. He, it's what he really pulled his comedy from, was from different situations in life. You need to understand this. The devil, the enemy, meant that for evil. God said, uh-uh. That thing in your life that you've been struggling with all your life, I'm going to take that and I'm going to use it for my glory. 
I'm going to use it for my purpose. And you need to understand this. That thing in your life, that thing in your past, whatever it may be, whatever it is you struggle with, God can take that, that the enemy meant to destroy you, and He can turn it to good, and He can use it for His redemptive purpose, for His glory. Amen. Church, we've got to get that. We've got to understand it. God wants to redeem you. He wants to put you back on His path. If you're taking notes there, write this down. Don't allow culture to define you. Many times we do just that in life. We allow those around us. Galatians says this, Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? You need to ask yourself that question this morning. Are you trying to win the approval of men? Or are you trying to win the approval of God? Many of you people, me included, many times allow people to speak into our lives that have no business speaking. You're listening to the wrong voice. Don't allow those around you to tell you that you can't be all that God called you to be. Don't allow those around you to say, your past is too bad. Your, your, your whatever is too this or too that. You're too young. You're too old. God said, I have a plan and a purpose for you, and I am going to set you back on that path. Start listening to the voice of the shepherd, the one who was willing to stretch out his arms and lay down his life and die for you. Do not let culture define who you are. Let him, let the one who created you define who you are. This is the other thing right here. Don't do it all alone. Many times in this life, we try to do it all alone. Ecclesiastes says this, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Do you understand this? Money is not going to bring you fulfillment. Here we have a man in this story who appeared to have it all. But yet, no matter how hard he worked, no matter how much he had, it was never enough. He was never content. He didn't have anyone to help him in his work, and he didn't have anyone to share with his abundance. God never intended us to walk this life out alone. The cup of praise, that cup of fulfillment, the fourth cup is intended for us to do in community together. God refers to us throughout Scripture as the church, the body, a people. Exodus 6-7, we read it this morning, it said, I will take you as my own people. He didn't say, I will take you as a person. He said, I will take you as a group. I will take you as my own people. So how, how do we walk in this calling. What's it look like? You need to understand this. It all begins with a calling. It all begins with God calling you. Every one of us has been called of God. Second Timothy in the message says this, God saved us and then called us to his holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was all his idea, a gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. So many times I think we get caught up in thinking, oh, I had this great idea. No, God has a plan for you. 
God has an idea for you. God birthed within us a desire to make a difference. We are all wired that way. Listen, I want to make a difference. Each of us want to make a difference in this life. That's why we find fulfillment in serving. Because God created us that way. He created us to want to make a difference. We want to do something with eternal value. We want our life to stand for something. This cup of praise, it stands on a cause. So must our life. Acts 20 says, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Do you understand that? Do you hear that? It says, My life is worth nothing unless I use it for finishing the work of Jesus. He created us to make a difference. So if we aren't going to find fulfillment, or if we are going to find fulfillment, we have got to be doing something that makes a difference. When you begin serving others, when you begin walking out your calling that God has placed on your life, standing on the cause of Jesus Christ, you will find the life of praise is a byproduct. It becomes who you are. You'll also find this. Your life becomes contagious to those around you. It does this. Number three there in your notes, it says, it spreads from me to we. You'll find others who want to come alongside of you. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their hard labor. It's here that you begin to find fulfillment. When you're walking out your God-called life, when you begin serving, not just alone, but when you begin serving with, another, with other believers in Christ, other people who have been called, other people who want to make a difference, other people who want to stand on a cause, it's then that you really discover what being a Christian is all about. Amen. Up until that point, all it is is a cup of salvation that gets me to heaven. You don't really understand what Christianity is all about. There is nothing better than serving with other people who want to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Amen. And I close with this last thought. This weekend, I've shared with you already, we were at the Bridgestone Arena. Probably 10,000 guys roughly there. And it was pretty incredible, really, to just be around that many men just praising God. Michael W. Smith um, was leading worship. And one of the songs he sang was, You Are the Fire. If you were there yesterday, you'll remember it. Part of the word said this, Fan the flames till the whole world sees us burn. You are the fire. With everything that God has done for us, how can we not live our life like that? John Wesley is often attributed with a similar saying. Um, it goes kind of this way. We should wake every day and set ourselves on fire with passion for God. If we do this, the whole world will come just to watch us burn. Church, that is how we should live our life. That is a life of praise. That is a cup of fulfillment, being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.